Welcome to the Histrionics Podcast, where I review a few pieces of history that aren't very well known or deserve a little more attention. Today I'm going to discuss a significant radio signal from outer space, a novel by George Orwell, and the lost colony of Roanoke. The events took place between August 15th and August 21st. August 15, 1977. A radio telescope receives a powerful signal from deep space. The event is named the WOW signal, based on the notation made by a volunteer on the project. The WOW signal was a strong radio signal received by the Ohio State University's Big Ear Radio Telescope, used to support the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. The signal appeared to come from the direction of the constellation Sagittarius and had the hallmarks of extraterrestrial origin. Astronomer Jerry Amon discovered the anomaly a few days later while reviewing the recorded data. He was so impressed by the result that he circled the reading on the computer printout and wrote the comment, WOW, with an exclamation point next to the circle on the paper. The string of numbers and letters 6EQUJ5 is often misinterpreted as a message encoded in the radio signal but actually represents the variation of the signal's intensity over time. The signal itself appeared to be a continuous wave. The entire signal sequence lasted for the full 72-second window during which Big Ear was able to observe it, but has not been detected since, despite several attempts. Many explanations have been proposed on the origin, including natural and human-made sources, but none of them adequately explain the signal. Although the WOW signal had no detectable modulation, a technique used to transmit information over radio waves, it remains the strongest candidate for an alien radio transmission ever detected. The formula for this discovery started in 1959, when two Cornell University physicists speculated that any extraterrestrial civilization attempting to communicate through radio signals might do so using a frequency of 1,420 megahertz, which is naturally emitted by hydrogen, the most common element in the universe, and therefore likely familiar to advanced civilizations. In 1973, after completing an extensive survey of extragalactic radio sources, Ohio State University assigned their radio observatory to the Scientific Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, known as SETI, S-E-T-I. In 1977, Amon was working at the SETI project as a volunteer. His job involved analyzing large amounts of data processed and printed by an IBM computer. While searching through data collected just after 10 p.m. Eastern Time on August 15th, he spotted a series of signal intensity and frequency that astonished him and his colleagues. The event was later documented in detail by the observatory's director. A number of theories have been advanced as the source and nature of the WOW signal but none of them have achieved widespread acceptance. Interstellar flashes of light, similar to atmospheric twinkling, which is the passing of light through different layers of the atmosphere, could be an explanation, but that would not exclude the possibility of the signal being artificial in origin. Another observatory, called the Very Large Array, 
which is a lot more sensitive than the big ear, did not detect the signal, and could not detect the signal. The probability that a signal could be detected by the big ear and not the very large array due to interstellar flashes of light is very low. Other hypotheses include a rotating source that operates like a lighthouse, a signal sweeping in frequency, or a one-time burst. Amon has said, We should have seen it again when we looked for it 50 times. Something suggests that it was an Earth source signal that simply got reflected off a piece of space debris. He later recanted his skepticism, after further research showed an Earth-born signal to be highly unlikely. In a 1997 paper, Amon said he resists drawing vast conclusions from half-vast data, acknowledging the possibility that the source may have been military or a product of humans. Here's my take on the WOW signal. I am completely lost. I tried to dumb down this research the best I could for me to understand it and present it in a manner that makes sense. And I couldn't, um, despite my best effort. I understand that some of the theories are a rotating source like a lighthouse, a sweeping signal, or a one-time burst. I, I That doesn't really mean much to people that just want to know where it came from. And um, there's probably a lot that I'm missing. But again, I tried to really break it down in simple terms. And I'm, I'm really lost. If I had to bet money on it, I'd say it was some kind of human error or possibly machine error. Um, maybe that satellite needed a little tweaking. Um, but I'm, I'm really um, talking out of line here because I have no clue what I'm talking about. So the the idea of it being an error, maybe that's very unlikely. Um, maybe the probability of that is low. But it seems more likely than aliens trying to communicate with us, in my skeptical opinion and my honest opinion. August 17th, 1945. The book Animal Farm by George Orwell is first published. Animal Farm is a satire written by George Orwell, first published in England. The book tells the story of a group of farm animals who rebel against their human farmer, hoping to create a society where the animals can be equal, free, and happy. Ultimately, the rebellion is betrayed and the farm ends up in a state as bad as it was before under the dictatorship of a pig named Napoleon. According to Orwell, the fable reflects events leading up to the Russian Revolution of 1917 and into the Stalinist era of the Soviet Union. Orwell was a critic of Joseph Stalin and angry with Moscow. The Soviet Union had become totalitarian government built upon a cult of personality that engaged in the practice of mass incarceration and secret executions. Orwell described Animal Farm as a satirical tale against Stalin. The plot is centered around a poorly run manor farm in England. The farm animals are poised for rebellion against the irresponsible and alcoholic farmer, Mr. Jones. Two young pigs, Snowball and Napoleon, assume command and begin the revolt, driving Mr. Jones off the farm and renaming the property Animal Farm. They adopt the Seven Commandments of Animalism 
the most important of which is, all animals are equal. Snowball teaches the animals to read and write, while Napoleon educates young puppies on the principles of animalism. At the beginning, the food supply is plentiful and the farm animals are happy. The pigs elevate themselves to positions of leadership and set aside special food items, allegedly for their personal health. Snowball announces his plans to modernize the farm by building a windmill. Napoleon opposes this idea and forces Snowball out of the farm. Napoleon then declares himself supreme commander. Napoleon makes changes to the structure of the farm. He decides to replace meetings among the animals with the committee of pigs who will run the farm. Napoleon also claims credit for the windmill idea. The animals start working harder with the promise of easier lives after the windmill is complete. The windmill collapses after a violent storm, and Napoleon convinces the animals that Snowball is working with Mr. Jones and sabotaging the farm. Napoleon then carries out another purge of animals. Many animals who are allegedly plotting with Snowball are executed by Napoleon's dogs, which confuses and troubles the other farm animals. Despite the hardships, the animals are again easily convinced by Napoleon that they are better off than they were under Mr. Jones. Years pass and the windmill is rebuilt, and another windmill is constructed which makes the farm a good amount of income. However, the ideas that Snowball discussed, including stalls with electric lighting, heating, and running water, are all forgotten. Napoleon advocates that the happiest animals live simple lives. The Seven Commandments are then shortened to just one phrase, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. The original commandments were, whatever goes upon two legs is an enemy, whatever goes upon four legs or has wings is a friend, no animal shall wear clothes, no animal shall sleep in a bed, no animal shall drink alcohol, no animal shall kill any other animal, and all animals are equal. These commandments were also distilled into the general rule of conduct. Four legs, good. Two legs, bad. Napoleon and his pigs later revised three commandments to clear themselves of breaking the law. No animal shall sleep in a bed was changed to no animal shall sleep in a bed with sheets. No animal shall drink alcohol was changed to no animal shall drink alcohol in excess. And no animal shall kill any other animal was changed to no animal shall kill any other animal without cause. Eventually, the commandments were replaced with the general rule of conduct, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others, and four legs good, two legs better, as the pigs become more and more human. The original purpose of the seven commandments was to keep order within the animal farm, by uniting the animals together against the humans and preventing animals from following the humans' evil habits. Through the revision of the commandments, Orwell demonstrates how easily political dogma can be turned into pliable propaganda. Napoleon and the other pigs began wearing clothes and walking on two legs. He held a dinner party for the pigs and local farmers after they formed a new alliance. He restored the name of Animal Farm to the Manor Farm. The men and pigs started playing cards, flattering and praising each other, and cheating at the same time. Both Napoleon and one of the farmers play the ace of spades at the same time, and both sides begin fighting over who cheated first. The other animals watch the pigs and men fight, unable to distinguish between the two. Here's my take on Animal Farm. 
sounds awfully familiar. I think we're seeing flashes of that right now. Change the language and um, can get a lot of people to do whatever you want. August 18th, 1590. John White, the governor of Roanoke Colony, returns from a supply trip to England and finds his settlement deserted. Roanoke became known as the Lost Colony due to the unexplained disappearance of over 100 settlers. The English claimed St. John's Newfoundland in 1583 as the first North American English territory under the authority of Queen Elizabeth I. In 1585, White accompanied Sir Ralph Lane on an expedition to found the first English colony in North America. Lane's colony was hurt by a lack of supplies and poor relations with the local Native Americans. While awaiting a delayed resupply mission, Lane decided to abandon the colony and return to England with Sir Francis Drake in 1586. After Lane's colonists returned to England, Sir Walter Raleigh, tasked John White with the job of organizing a new settlement that would be self-sustaining and include women and children. White was able to persuade over 100 prospective colonists to join the expedition, including his daughter Eleanor and his new son-in-law. The second colony landed on the same island in 1587 and set up another settlement. White returned to England soon after, intending to bring more supplies back to his colony in 1588. The Anglo-Spanish War delayed White's return to Roanoke until 1590. Upon his arrival, he found the settlement in good condition, but abandoned. The cryptic word Croatoan in all capital letters was carved into a post on the fort, and the letters C-R-O were carved into a nearby tree, but it did not appear that the settlers left in a hurry. Before leaving the colony years before, White instructed them to carve a cross onto a nearby tree if anything happens and they are forced to leave. There was no cross, and White took this to mean that they had moved to Croatoan Island. Before he could follow this lead, rough seas and a detached anchor forced the rescue mission to return to England. The fate of over 100 colonists remains unknown. Speculation that they had assimilated with nearby Native American communities appeared in writings as early as 1605. Some investigations by Jamestown colonists produced reports that the Roanoke settlers had been massacred, while others reported seeing people with European features living in Native American villages. But no hard evidence was ever produced for either theory. Interest in the matter declined until 1834, when historian George Bancroft published his account of the events in a series called A History of the United States. Bancroft's description of the colonists and the story of White's infant granddaughter born in Roanoke cast them as foundational figures in American culture and captured the public imagination. Despite this renewed interest that still carries on today, modern research has not produced evidence that would solve the mystery. Here's my take on Roanoke Island. It sounds like they went to Croatoan Island. I'm not sure how far away that is, but John White's lazy ass just decided to go right back to England instead of even checking that out. I'm pretty sure if he would have gone to Croatoan Island, 
at that time, he would have found some evidence of the settlers. And you departed due to rough seas and a lost anchor. I understand that you can't anchor the boat without an anchor, um, but it confuses me that you go back back to England in the middle of rough seas. Um, and your daughter and your granddaughter on the island, and, and you don't even get off the boat to check it out. I, I can't imagine it was that far if they were able to get there. It might have even been walking distance. And your lazy ass just goes back to England. But what do I know? And now for a few events that deserve less attention. I don't give a shit. Nobody does. You shouldn't. August 15th, 1995. Shannon Faulkner becomes the first female cadet enrolled at the Citadel. She drops out less than a week later. I have no idea why that's news. I have no idea why it was ever news. I know a lot of people that dropped out of college. Uh, They don't have any pages in the history books. I know a lot of people that were discharged from the military. Not mentioned any history books either. Confused at best why uh, we're celebrating a cadet that dropped out of the Citadel in like five days. August 18th, 1903, German engineer Carl Jatho allegedly flies his self-made motored gliding airplane four months before the first flight of the Wright brothers. Sure you did, Carl. That's why nobody's ever heard of you. I'm sure all the uh, eyewitnesses kept their mouth shut because they were cheering for America and uh, didn't want Germany to be the country with the first flight. August 19th. 2017, hundreds of thousands of farmed, non-native Atlantic salmon are accidentally released into the wild in Washington waters. Oh my goodness. Uh, But salmon, hundreds of thousands of salmon going back into the ocean doesn't sound that newsworthy to me. I understand that it probably hurt the farmers financially a lot, and that sucks. Um. But it's not like pythons in the Everglades disrupting the whole ecosystem. It's not like an oil spill in the ocean. It's a bunch of salmon. Yeah, they're not native, but they're not going to disrupt the ecosystem. But what do I know? All right, well, that uh, wraps up this week, and I will see you guys next week.